that I love every single one of my clients. So I'm seeing this at a place of love. But when they break down, they just have that moment of like, aha, like I got yeah. this. I can see the future. I can see the way out. And they're inspired again. That's what helps them. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. I've got a great one for you today. I've got Elizabeth Calzadilla. She's the founder of Business 411, CEO of Marketing 411, and co-host of Roofers Only. She's been in roofing since 2015. She was listed as number 17 of the top 50 women in Miami from Women We Admire list. She scaled from a solo consultant to two agencies that are fully operational and staffed in 16 months. She's consulted for over 150 roofing companies and launched over 500 roofing brands as well. She's an expert in roofing business process, roofing and construction sales, lead generation, organic and paid marketing and brand building. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Hi. Um, I should have maybe shortened the bio. <laughs> it's all good. I mean, you know, I like to provide a lot of context for our listeners. You know what I mean? So they, they perk up and they know what they're listening for. And especially, obviously, if they're in roofing, they're going to be listening to this one. But in general, you know, some of the things we're talking about in here are building processes, marketing, you know, um, lead gen all things that anybody in home services is going to need to uh, attack at some point. So listen up, guys. Elizabeth's got a ton of experience and she's going to bring some value today. All right. I'm new to the consulting game, right? And so I've been doing it kind of like as a side hustle the past year or so. This past year, I shut down my sales teams completely. I'm all in on consulting. So I would love to know what does your typical week look like now? Yeah, so um, when I first started consulting, I was traveling every single week um, to a different office. This was most recently because when I first started the company, I started as a consultant. Then I had the agencies running and I was like, OK, I want to get back into consulting again. Um, and I'm happy to say I'm not doing that anymore. Um, <laughs> my schedule, I've decided to scale up the consulting to what I perceive the next level, which means I'm not doing any more one-on-one -on -one consulting, only doing a group event. I do one live session a week and, uh, every other month, one in-person training. So if someone comes to you and says, Hey, I gotta have you one-on-one, -on -one, you don't have a price for that? Not anymore. And, right. and I've had, I've had ever since I decided that I've had like twice my offer of what I used yeah. to charge being offered to me. And I just kind of had to stick to it and say, no, I can't do that anymore. It's going to take me away from my goals. Yeah. So what do we call that in sales? Fear of loss. Once you take it away from them, yeah. then that's all they want. Right. Yeah. So you just got into jujitsu. How is yes. that going? I, I saw on your post, you were throwing, you're throwing around six foot men the other day. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I am very much so in pain from head to toe, um, <laughs> but I will say that the entire reason I decided to do it is because I think the one area of my life that I never really pushed myself was physically. 
Um, I think there's, as women, we don't necessarily think, I want to be super strong and like carry heavy stuff and flip a dude over. Um, yeah. But I want to be able to do that now. <laughs> so have you seen uh, that movie Woman King yet? No, I haven't. Oh man, you got to see that movie. It's going to get you hyped for jujitsu and practice and throwing <laughs> some dudes around. Yeah. So at first, me and Ryan and, you know, <laughs> I don't want mean to put ourselves on blast here, but we're like, women king, really? Like, we can't even be kings anymore. <laughs> women got to take that too, right? <laughs> and then we watched the movie and it was like, oh, we get it. Like, it makes sense once you watch the movie. You just got to watch it. It's an amazing movie. But anyways, back into to roofing. How did you even get into that space? Yeah, so um, I didn't really have any other opportunities um, myself, I did have to drop out of high school at a young age due to some uh, illnesses with my mother. And as an adult, um, until I was 18, I really struggled with finding a job. The only experience I had was I actually recruited uh, my friends to be in like music videos. And then I started recruiting other girls. So I was actually just recruiting women uh, who were looking for modeling or artistic jobs. Mm -hmm. And um, not having any real job experience besides that, I figured the only thing I could do was be a waitress. Um, and when I started to really want to develop my career, uh, no one would hire me. I had just moved to Miami, 18 years old. And until I walked into this tiny little office in a beat up building in North Miami Beach. And <laughs> yes, and it was a startup roofing app. At that time, technology was not as present in the home service industry as it is today. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, my job was to hold all contractors and go door to door. So when you say uh, door to door, you mean like business to business, right? Yep. Awesome. Yep. So the thing about the thing I noticed about Miami, because I opened up an office there once. It didn't go well. We opened we opened up near the city. And what we realized is you're either like rich or poor. There is no in between in Miami, right? No. And so what we, were, what we realized we should have opened up to the north and like Coral Gables, kind of that area. And uh, so that's one of the things that's really tough about Miami. That's where I live. <laughs> oh, really? Coral Gables? Yeah. So like the market is just, it's so di or so one extreme or the other, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's not a big, there's not a big middle class there. Mm -hmm. And middle class is what you want in, in door to door. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, that office struggled for a while and eventually I shut it down. I was losing too much money in it, but okay. So I probably had about 50 plus women work for me in door to door. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was always so frustrating is all the guys would immediately start hitting on them. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And so even though, and we did, we had to establish it in our, um, handbook and our uh, code of conduct, basically. Uh, and, it, and it's hard because these are 1099 guys. So there's only so much that you can spell out without like making them into W-2 by yeah. state law or by federal law, right? Yeah. And so um, when your clients or your uh, the companies that you work for or work with are struggling with this or they have something like this arise, how do you recommend they tackle it? Yeah, so uh, being a woman in an industry where you're trying to convince someone, where you're trying to present something or position yourself, a lot of times when a female and male dynamic, when it comes to relationship building, um, if one of the 
perks. One of the people in the interaction is attracted to the other, typically the man to the woman. He mm -hmm. is going to go ahead and say something. Um, I think as women, we have to be in a place where we can take control of our, and, and as much as we can, you know, unfortunately there's situations where it goes extreme and I think that should be handled differently. But on a surface level, if the interaction is out of control and the man is controlling it and as a woman you don't want to really deal with that you have to teach we have to teach women to be stronger um to take their place and really not take not feel bad or pressured into mm -hmm. accepting certain advances yeah. because um i think for myself i just make it very clear like do not talk to me that way and mm -hmm. this is a fast shot if we're gonna have a conversation let's converse I like that. It's abrupt. It's, you know, very to the point. And it's, yeah. you know, a lot of times deserved because it, it, at that point, it's a business transaction. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's it's one thing to be out somewhere and about, you know, at a venue or something like that. You know what I mean? It's another thing to be like, obviously, you're in your workplace, whether you're in the field or not. It's your workplace, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I... And I think that it also depends on the industry. Mm -hmm. um, women who are doing door-to-door -door sales, I've done door-to-door -door for homeowners as well. When I was when I've been consulting for clients, I've gone door-to-door -door with them mm -hmm. and tried to get inspections. But I think it's all about how you present yourself. And if you present yourself in a certain way and you're still getting certain advances, then that's just not the right person for you to right. be talking to. So I think it's important to know when to walk away. And I'm very great from leaving someone high and dry, like bye. Well, and I love that because that just shows the confidence in the next door. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I can get it at the next door. I don't need to at this one. This isn't worth it, basically. Correct. It's not worth it. A hundred percent. So you said that you started out uh, selling a roofing app. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing this kind of gave you a look behind the scenes in terms of, all right, supporting the roofing industry versus just being in it, right? And uh, so what made you transition to consulting long-term? Did you kind of like get the bug when you were selling the app? So when I was selling the app, my job was to, when I would cold call a contractor, I'd have to bring them into a Zoom meeting, qualify them, make sure that they were a good client. I'd have to add value and give them a measurement report and measure a roof for them. So throughout my year, I was there, throughout my career, I was there for almost five years. I measured thousands of roofs. I, I spoke to thousands of roofing company owners and not on the surface level. Like I really got to know their businesses and I had my five questions that I knew about every roofer that I worked with, their mm -hmm. company size, their business model, their technology, their sales team, and their overall process of how they function. So after four and a half years of hearing that over and over and over again, every single day, um, I figured out that they all had the same issues. And um, at the same time, I was doing biz personal and business development on my own to be a good person, to be a better salesperson, mm -hmm. to build better relationships. Um, and actually what happened is I just got too many job offers over and over again. And I was like, why am I saying no? Like, if this person, it, it would happen at least once a day, someone would offer me a job, they would offer me to work for them. and. Mm -hmm as a consultant, I could take on as many jobs as I wanted. And that's right. I, that, that's how I transitioned. Was there anybody that inspired you into that industry? You kind of saw them as like, holy shit, I want to do that. Um, not, not necessarily in roofing. It was okay. for me as Grant Cardone. Um, okay. 
I've, I've been a card owner since I was 18 years old, since he was making free YouTube videos. Um, he ins I'm going to, to GrowthCon in February now. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. I've got a, got a funny story about Grant. So uh, I had a PR uh, company doing PR for me back in uh, 14, 15, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I actually got on his show, Power Players. And oh, wow. uh, I went, interviewed him on the show. That was a blast and everything. And then freaking Jerry Glant afterwards closed <laughs> me on sales training I did not need. You know, us <laughs> us salespeople, like, we're easy to close because we love freaking being I sold. <laughs> I love to buy, right? And so, you know, it was a good training. It just wasn't good for us in cable door to door. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was hard to transition a lot of his training into, you know, that niche and which I love about what you're doing right now, because you're specific to roofing. Everything you're doing is built for that. Obviously you could easily transition into another niche, but that's your focus right now. Mm -hmm. And so, um, when I try to take it back to the guys, because they weren't saying door to door, because they weren't talking about home services, because it was like some car centrics sales training, they just didn't adopt it. You know what I'm saying? And um, eventually I pressured uh, Jared and his team to like help me integrate this. You know what I'm saying? It didn't work out. We came to an impasse and Grant Cardone ended up suing me. So, cause I tried oh, back out of the contract. Yeah. That is <laughs> he, had, he had every right. I don't hold it against him. You know what I mean? I w and I was a young business owner. I think I was, I was 26 at the time, you know? So I wasn't making the greatest decisions either. You know what yeah. I mean? And so yeah. I own that. You know what I mean? Uh, Grant's still the man. You know what I mean? So uh, I don't take it personally. It's just business, right? And and that's what it is. Um, for me, I've had products of his, for example, like the business boot camp. Um, it ended up being like a $47,000 investment for a 360 program where mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be a transformational experience for my business. I didn't have the 47K really to invest in this program because I was only a few, like my second year just starting. Right. And so they allowed me to do like this payment plan. So I was, I was really focusing and investing into this. And I'm like, I have to make this happen for my company. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just severely, severely disappointed. Um, but I think what, what that goes to show you is there are people like us who understand sometimes you can try to do business with someone. It's not going to be the right move. It doesn't right. mean it might not be the right relationship. It just wasn't the right fit with that. Um, and after that, I still have attended boot camps. I still have attended other stuff, but I knew um, that that just was not a good fit for me. And I should have not done that. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more because we get caught up in the hype, you know what I mean? Yeah. And everybody does it, right? I, I see it all the time. And so I'm in Apex, Ryan Steumann's group, and uh, I'm in executives, right? So executives has all the shiny shit, you know what yeah. I'm saying? They, they've yeah. got crypto people, they've got uh, real estate syndications, which I'm a part of a few of those. But when I first got in, I went crazy and I bought everything. And it's like, at some point you gotta, you gotta ask yourself, am I going to execute on this yeah. to really get my ROI? Because if I'm not, then I'm wasting theirs and my time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You always want to be a, a raving review for any service that you use. You know what I'm saying? You want to be their poster child for their service because you actually executed on it. And so for for Apex, I would say I am. But uh, for some of those other things that I got into, I shouldn't have got into them because they should have just been passive. So the real estate syndications obviously are passive. So those have been great, you know, because I, mean? I don't have to do anything. So 
it works out. Yeah, that, that's the thing is that finding the things that are going to work for you and finding the value in the rooms that you're in that are specific to you. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's one reason why I like to be specific to my niche is I want to give value to the people I know I can help. A hundred percent. Yeah, I love I mean, Let me ask you this. And this is just consultant to consultant. Like I have this problem right? I don't just go in and do what they're paying me for. I end up trying to do everything. You know what I'm saying? It's because that's my nature. Like I see problems and I want to go and solve them. And it doesn't matter if it's in the scope of work or the deliverables or not. I tend to like overextend myself a little bit. Do you run into that too? Or have you gotten that dialed in now? So I got it dialed in. I was just going to give you some advice. I honestly, when I first started, I used to listen to all their problems. I, then I'd be like, oh my God, this whole entire business, I need to help them. And then I realized <laughs> that what I originally came here to do, I wasn't finishing it all the way. And I was leaving with like a bunch of different conversations midway. Mm -hmm. So then I created my consultant plan. I only consult on what I wrote out and I created an SOP on the way that I consult. So I don't go into different branches of the business unless that is part of the consultation plan. Yeah. Everything is set ahead of time. And the only things that we talk about whenever my clients may want to ramble and start going like another rabbit hole. Sideways. Yeah. Yeah. I have to redirect them and say, look, these kind of issues can happen. Um, you know, let's figure out how we can attack that or tackle that together next time. Right now, we really need to focus on this. And then they respect that as well. They're like, they're going to respect it more when you leave and mm -hmm. everything that you said would be done is done. And so that's what helped me having a black and white. This is what we're doing. We're not, we're not going anywhere else. No gray areas. Yeah. I'm wrapping up my, my second 90 day engagement. I've got four others either starting or happening right now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm absolutely trying to figure that out. It's like my first one, when I look at it, the scope of work is like, I ended up doing double yeah. what it was, you know what I'm saying? And so what I'm realizing is I'm going to have to, if they bring in like a new issue or a new problem that I can solve, I'm going to have to like swap it out with something that isn't as important to them. You know what I'm saying? So basically that SOP or that deliverable that you talked about being able to kind of swap it in and out based on hours. I would tell you what I did is per project and I found that it became very more. So I started my, when I first started consulting, I started like weekly live calls. Um, mm -hmm. Well, no, no, when I initially, initially started, I started with two clients that I would dedicate a certain amount of hours a week. Then I, I scaled the agencies and I was like, okay, that's not what I want to do. Then I started doing like, like weekly calls with clients. I figured out that also wasn't a good fit for me because now what was happening my time was tied to this thing in specific so right. then i went to the uh group classes i'm sorry then i went to started traveling um which was the best learning experience because i dialed in my system mm -hmm. because then i could get in in two days and finish not only a full sop i could go through their local market research and leave them like a 20 to 40 page custom manual that I designed for them based off of the problems that they had. It would only be one big problem that I would solve besides mm -hmm. the program. So I think for me, that's that worked the best. And I felt like that was the most scalable from yeah. all of the, the methods that I used, um, which is why I put it into a group format, which mm -hmm. is the most, most, most scalable. Yeah, no, that makes a, a ton of sense. And that's, 
I think where I'm ending up essentially, because that's very similar to what I'm doing right now. I, I start with an initial audit. I go into the market for two days, uh, a total of 10 hours is what I quote. And uh, that is sitting down with the leadership team, the management team, sales management, if they have it. And then also uh, shadowing one of their like entry-level salespeople and then one of their experienced salespeople, basically seeing their process and everything. And then I end up with an audit report and then we start that work over the next 90 days of basically reconstructing their sales program or building them a brand new one if that's if that's what they hired me for so let me ask you a good question i know this is mm -hmm. to interview me you know how the sales team and the whole sales concept should function for uh -huh. most companies right right so the what people want to know is they just want you to tell them and you don't have to switch it up every time that would definitely help you and i would even mm -hmm. buy that training from you on yeah. this is how you build a great sales team period mm -hmm. these are the pillars and that's it and then you don't have to you know keep your time committed to just like one company at a time which it, it depends on the on what your goals are uh -huh. but building great sales team i think everybody can use help with including myself yeah absolutely so the the pillars for me are kodak is what i call it and it's compensation opportunity development operations and culture right and then there's documents that support all those things you know obviously the first one being a comp plan the second one being an opportunity structure with that opportunity structure, you're going to see your development structure, which is, you know, product training, sales training, uh, leadership training, and then mindset development, right? Because we want to improve them as humans, not just as salespeople for us, right? Absolutely. And so that, that creates a lot of that loyalty. And then operations, that's that's where I like probably spend 40% of my time, way too much time, I should say, because I ended up getting I ended up getting into the rest of their business because you got <laughs> the sales process, you got the recruiting process, you got onboarding. You've got uh, metrics and reporting, you know what I'm saying? And that's all within operations, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're doing all those first four things really well, the culture becomes natural, but you do have to kind of systemize that as well. Whether we're talking about, you know, I love wristbands, right? That have your mission on them and um, the t-shirts. Basically the guys are proud to wear the company colors, the company name, the company mission and the core values of the company. And that's what creates a lot of that culture. And then of course, we all love competition. We love trips. You know what I'm saying? Salespeople love going places and taking the Instagram pictures and stuff. So <laughs> they'll it's work hard. Up. Yeah, exactly. They'll work hard for those those trips. I love, but that's that. I love that. I think it's it's uh, really awesome to hear your perspective on that. And mm -hmm. I absolutely love operations. So I know I can see how easy it is to fall down the rabbit hole of a business operations. hundred percent. A hundred percent. So you know, obviously there's a lot of companies out there that are similar to you or, you know, they're coaches, right? I, I love that you're a consultant. That's why we're vibing so much right now. On <laughs> consulting, you know what I mean? Because it's more like we're the business is our client, not the individual as much, mm -hmm. you know, because I, I, I do. I get tired of seeing in in our space and in our, uh, I, I guess, fear of influence. There's a lot of coaches and their favorite thing to say is I'm going to help you remove that thing from your childhood that's blocking you from being the best version of yourself or whatever the case is, right? Mm -hmm. That's the, the line they use every time. And I'm just like, they just need help with the recruiting because it sucks, you know? So, <laughs> like, you know, and obviously as you level up as an individual, your business is going to naturally level up. You become the example and, and people uh, reach for that in your business, right? But um, going back to uh, consulting, what do you feel like sets you apart 
from not necessarily your competition, but just people in the space in general? So one thing about what I do, um, there are certain things that no one else does, period. Like there's areas of my company that I have no competition in. And even if I did have competition or competition may try to come, I'm just going to dominate them. Um, And I (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I, I created the first white labeled roofing education system. What I did is I took all the complexities that people just want to overcomplicate to try to teach someone new. And I made it super simple for anyone coming into the industry to know. And I've divided it into a series where you can choose what you want the employee to learn. And it's fully white labeled. So it's not even about me. It's not about my branding. They don't have to pay me every month for it. They just buy it. They use it. They print as many copies as they want. And I can confidently say we are the only ones doing it. And if anyone even wants to try, it's okay because I'm still going to kill it. <laughs> the, the All of a sudden, the freaking beast came out on that conversation right there. That was that's your baby. You can tell that's your baby right there. That's that's why you can when you're over here like <laughs> when I was just saying how people don't hit on me. It's because they that. Yeah, exactly. So, but uh, the second thing would just be my uh, industry experience. Okay, I'm obsessed with roofing itself how roofing systems, uh, the actual installation is, how the business functions, how people learn roofing, all of those pillars of just not even just someone owning a company, but someone coming into a business and someone dominating in the industry. It really is something that I'm obsessed with and I just don't stop learning. No, I love that. And kind of going back to the beginning of our conversation, the five questions that you asked, do you still do that? Is that kind of your all right, let me get the litmus test for, for this company and where I think they're at and what, what I think they need. Yeah, absolutely. Those five questions. If I know those five things about a business, I'll be able to tell exactly what problem they have and match them with the right solution that I've created. Because as a consultant, what I did was every problem that the companies I would consult for would have, mm-hmm. if I saw a trend that the same problems were available or were actually happening to the same people, then I would just create a solution that was scalable that I could offer to all of them. And that's why I created like my production manual and now my production training and admin trainings so that they're specific to the problems that I'm solving and I can solve them at scale instead of one-on-one. So I, that's one of the the first things that I noticed about you is you're always holding those books, you know, or those uh, training manuals. And I appreciate that because a lot of what I do uh, in building sales programs is leave them with a, what we call, you know, and they all like to call it different stuff. You know, I call it a take home packet, you know, and basically it's the, the new sales rep gets hired and it's all the like pertinent information that they need to know, but it's not overkill. It's the very basic 1.0 stuff mm-hmm. of the sales training. The 2.0 stuff comes through management and uh, modules later on. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I, I, I would get that feedback, like, you know, man, you're putting stuff on paper. And I'm like, when you first bring someone on, you're going to have to set them an email. You're going to have to, uh, you know, make sure you can manage their account and everything. And then like, if you virtually do this, right. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I do have it back in that I'm working on that. My first client is about to get all his stuff uploaded to it so he can access it at any time. You know, he has all his documents, all his video training, all that good stuff, very similar to what you were talking about. So it's, it's, Kind of crazy that i'm that's how it's evolving and it makes a lot of sense because that's scalable right just like you said i love that but uh 
so when you were first creating that document, did you have it in your head? You were like, you know, I've sold apps, I'm selling technology, but I'm creating this kind of paper-based document. What was the, I guess, the uh, thinking behind that? Yeah, so I actually sell a digital license. That's what they purchased from me. The printing is an extra, um, but really what they're purchasing from me is a digital license and the right to use that book with their branding as often as they'd like. And whenever I add a new book, they just purchase a new license for the book that I made. So I'm not necessarily selling the, the whole the whole point of the physical copies is because when a new rep is out in the field, the roofing industry is extremely complex. You cannot you cannot learn the roofing industry in 30 days, in 60 days or 90 days. You just honestly cannot. Um, and where the concept came from the book is when I got into the industry, I had this binder. And I went to manufacturers, suppliers, roofers, my boss, um, I'm so very thankful for him, mentored me and just gave me so much knowledge. And that's how I learned about roofing. Um, and that evolved little by little. And my team absolutely is great at putting together my ideas and my content into ways that someone else can learn. So each of the books that we make have assessments within them. So you can understand if the person retained the information. Um, and it, it continues to create that engagement, but absolutely, I agree. The digital part is very important, but I think people undervalue the power of having something physical. Like you're empowering me with something. It does. I don't need an excuse. I don't, and there's no excuse. You have a book that's yeah. literally printed there, there. You can't, there's no excuses at that point, honestly. Well, and everybody learns different ways. You know, I'm not. I'm not very good on my phone in terms of education, but if I'm sitting at a desk and I have a computer in front of me, I'm, I can absorb information that way, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, some people need to see the video SOP. Some people need to see the written one. Some people need to see it in a uh, process flow. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's one of the my favorite things to make right now is uh, go into Google Draw and make a sales flow. So they understand, okay, this is the whole picture. I'm this part. This is the whole thing, everything that goes into this, because, right, salespeople get in their head and they're like, oh, mm -hmm. well, the reason this business is doing so well, right? It happens all the time. And then when you see that whole thing, everything that goes into processing that sale and then fulfilling it on top of that, I mean, that's a whole another level right there of perspective, I should say. Yeah, I actually, that's something I'm, I am, I created an entire process for how to bring a sale to production and actually bring the communication in through operations. So for roofing specifically, I created what's called a pre-production process, which is where all three departments unite and transfer information to each other in a very quick manner. But that's where all your checks and balances happen, including a profit check before the job is fully processed. So. Ideally, this is going to happen within a 24-hour time period of when the contract is sold. But that's one thing that I think is very important is sales directly communicating to operations and production and having that job folder with all the correct information so that the job can get processed uh, successfully. I love it. And it, it's such a gap in, honestly, any type of home service where there's construction involved, because mm -hmm. typically the owner is from the trades. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So what what you're seeing is all these owners from trades and they're incredibly good at what they do and they're even amazing at managing their people they have amazing cultures but their people are having to make up for their lack of systems you know mm -hmm. 
And so you're coming in and basically inserting those those systems in and then even customizing them to a degree or it's up to the owner to say, hey, this is custom here or there, whatever the case is. But damn, the the years of experience that they are compressing time, right, is what's happening. And what I'm realizing is like, I'll go in and they won't have a script for yeah. their salespeople. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, oh, no, they kind of just have their own style. Yeah, of course they have their own style, but they still need a structure. They still need to make sure they hit these points so your customers aren't, you know, pissed off later on down the road when they didn't cover something in the fulfillment process, you know? And so uh, it's it's a lot of fun to go in and basically be this, like, shining light for them because they're like, I've been needing this and I didn't know it. You know what I'm saying? And as soon as you said it, I was like, I need that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. What, what is very awesome, the best feeling that I get to experience when I'm consulting is, I don't know, I don't know how to say this, but it's like when my clients cry, I like if you have, if whenever you're, and this is, I, I think like, especially working with men, these are strong, successful men for the most part. It just mm -hmm. suddenly hits them. Like, and, and I love every single one of my clients. So I'm seeing this at a place of love, but when they break down, they just have that moment of like, aha, like I got yeah. this. I can see the future. I can see the way out. And they're inspired again, because a lot of times people are not reaching out to me because they're super inspired with their business and their business is amazing and they're happy. They're reaching out because they have a problem or if they are happy, they, they just can't get to that next level or they want like that cheat sheet, <laughs> but <Right. laughs> for the most part, it's the people who are just frustrated and that that's the majority of my clients. People who are frustrated have been in this industry for years, have made millions and millions and have lost more millions than most people have even made. Um, right. And then when they see that someone understands the construction industry, but can put it into a way that they can pass it off to their team mm -hmm. that they haven't been able to do their entire lives. That's what helps them. And they're, they are amazing themselves. They just, just, just not a skill that you might have. And that's okay. It doesn't, you don't have to be great at everything. Well, and I think there's so much to be said about that because what you're, the reason that they're breaking down and crying is because you've just basically taken all this crap out of their head mm -hmm. and put it on paper that they had, but they had to hold so much there. So I was talking to this, or I was talking about this with the, my client yesterday is that his managers are having to hold a lot of information in their head and they're mm -hmm. having to manage their people based on one-on-one -on -one relationships versus based on systems. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when, when you manage based on systems, you don't have to think about it. This is the system. You know what I mean? If you fall below this performance metric, you know, you go on probation. If you're on probation for more than one or two weeks uh, in terms of the performance me metric, then we're supposed to let you loose. And then we can have that one-on-one -on -one conversation. You know what I'm saying? But what it does is it frees up their mental, right? Because we, we can only make so many decisions every day and our brain only has so much power every day. It, you know, eventually we turn into mush. And I've been doing that a lot lately, <laughs> which is yeah. guessing what you dealt with when you first started. But yeah. um, so if we're able to take some of that stuff out of their head, get it on paper and scale it. I mean, I, I can see why they're breaking down in front of you like that. You know, you just taking all this stress and weight off of their shoulders essentially and said, Hey, let's systemize it, get it laid out, get this uh, working properly in the sales process. And 
Yeah, so um, the reason why we're still staying in roofing and we're really focusing on it is because it's such a big underserved market. Not enough great talent has been able to stay and retain the information they need to know to come in and make impactful changes. Because I do think if we were able to keep really good talent in this industry, there it'd be evolved a lot more. Um, and that's why I'm staying in it is because I want to keep trying to make the difference into bringing and keeping great talent in the roofing industry. No, I love that because it's it's impact versus you know just like trying to grab every client you can. You know, you want to grab specific clients, create the impact in that industry because that's what you're from, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and we all know the cliches, like there's solar bros, you know, anybody with a ladder and a truck can be a roofer kind of thing. <laughs> We've heard all those like cliches. So I love that there's actual people in these industries trying to change that. You know, you got Jake Hessen, solar, Sherry D is another one um, mm -hmm. that are really like investing in the community, um, solar Joe. And then uh, on the, on the roofing side, I mean, yourself and then uh, Kurt Lennington is a big uh, inspiration for me. Honestly, so, you know, culture was a big piece, right? And he came and spoke to the Apex executives uh, one month about culture and how he built his culture. And it was like he was doing the 3.0 and the 4.0 of what I was doing. You know what I'm saying? And so that he was a big uh, inspiration for me. Is there anybody is there anybody in the industry that, you know, you're kind of looking up to like that or really just loving their content right now? In roofing? Mm -hmm. See, that, even, that's why, uh, yeah, in other industries for sure. Um, so Sam Taggart, he is, uh, he's yeah. also someone that I just respect so much. Um, he created not just a, a program to train people to help business owners. He's created the retreats. He has door-to-door -door con. He's created software. He's invested into real estate. And he's mm -hmm. an amazing, amazing public speaker. So besides him in the industry, he's he's like my number one in the industry right. specifically outside of that my biggest role model is oprah <laughs> oh wow yeah that's uh <laughs> you're never done working if you're if you're chasing oprah you know what i'm saying <laughs> oh that's fantastic okay so what's what's next for you in your business and then uh personally like what's next for you yeah so in my business um right now I've been working on really scaling that group coaching class. I just finished writing my uh, a newer book on SOPs. Um, and uh, this year we are going to do solar training for roofers. And where I'm coming from it is just to help them learn the basics enough that they know what kind of solar training programs they really want to invest in. Um, I don't see myself being, being that go-to for, for solar training. It's just... Hey guys, let me help you get started here. This yeah. is what you need to know. We go to the next step um, and continuing to just at the end of the year, we wanted to have one live event to bring all of our clients together um, because we have had my first year, I had over 500 roofing companies that we worked mm -hmm. for. And right now we've had over six, 650 actually purchase our training material so far. Mm -hmm. So we want to just bring them all together and celebrate that at the end of this year. Um, personally, so last year I went through a, what is it called? Like a shotgun wedding type thing. Oh, and, nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was over. Oh, when it started. okay. Sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
So, I think I had seen one of your posts about that, so that's my bad. Yeah, yeah. It was actually it was 2021 is when I did that. 2022, mm -hmm. I was single uh, for the majority of the year, really focusing on myself. And this year, as a person, I'm just working on my self-discipline and being alone, mastering the art of being alone, honestly, is has mm -hmm. been something that I've been prioritizing. Jiu-jitsu, I'm going to get into a fight before the end of the year. Really? That's going to be cool yeah. to see. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, uh, so much of what we do is influence, right? And mm -hmm. when you can, you know, so my, my thing is like barbecue and my chickens in my backyard, you know what I'm saying? And being from Texas, <laughs> so I'm all things Texas, right? And so, uh, you know, when you can mix in that personality and mix in, you know, be a genuinely interesting person that helps a lot, you know what I'm saying? So you do jujitsu, I think you're gonna have a lot of fun with that. And, and it's gonna be a lot of good content for your, your followers to consume too. So that'll be great. Um, yeah, mostly going back to- that are on my page are men and men i mean like jujitsu and fighting yeah yeah exactly catering to your audience so uh i did want to mention though you were talking about roofers and solar and so what i've been in in you know i have a lot of clients in home services right and they're all excited about solar it's like they're already in the client's home so they want to be able to offer solar and, and most of the time i'm like i appreciate that but let me ask you like, can you scale what you have now? Is there any limit to the amount of customers you can bring on every year if you scale properly? You have the right sales process and systems and everything in place. And if the answer is yes, I can scale that, then don't get into solar in terms of like installing it and being, you know, trying to make your salespeople into dual roofing and solar experts. What, I, what I'm recommending that they do is that they have trusted partners in each of their markets that they refer out to. Now they take a heavy piece of the, the sales commission because they're basically referring them out already sold. And, and as they kind of scale that piece, it gets better and better, right? But what's, what's happening a lot is these, these roofers are getting into solar, they're getting distracted, and then they, it's, you know, their original business, their main thing suffers a little bit. Are you seeing some of that? Um, definitely, I would say when it comes to roofers integrating not just solar or any other services, if they're doing too many services, sometimes if they don't have that process, it's not going to be successful all across the board. Mm -hmm. um, second point of what you said that really is, is, uh, is true, you should have someone who's a trusted partner um, where, where I really want to focus on is making sure that they have, have the knowledge necessary to know if that person is a trusted partner because you cannot inspect what you don't what you can't expect what you can't inspect so they can't pull up to their their uh solar partner's job and say hey you're you're not serving my client property because they don't know so they have to be knowledgeable period about solar and they have to be knowledgeable about the home services that are related to what they're doing and then from there if they have the skills to build an a uh, team i think they can do a lot um what you're saying is true though i do think that they should focus on bringing in good partners or if they're going to bring it in house have your solar sales team and have your your roofing sales guys or maybe your roofing sales guys are your setters and then you the, you do the upsell of the roof mm -hmm. plus the solar with a closer yeah I, I learned it the hard way when i was young um i uh 
I had my sales org running on autopilot. Uh, I think this was 2015 and I decided, you know what, I'm gonna start installing Christmas lights and I'm gonna run the cruise. I wanna be part of the fulfillment process because I was always sales before. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really good at operations. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna run the crew for one year. I'm gonna be on the roof myself. I'm gonna figure out the whole process and then I'm gonna scale, I'm gonna scale it from there. And I'm gonna be, I think at the, at the time I, I was a perfect light installer, right? And so I'm going to be perfect lights only installer nationwide. I'm taking over Christmas light installs, right? Cause it was such a simple install, you know? And then what happened was, you know, maybe I did, you know, 4.5 million in commissions a year before. And then I, uh, the next year I did 4 million and I did 500,000 in Christmas light installations. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like, all I was doing was trading one for the other because I, I couldn't duplicate myself. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, the systems were strong in the business that I was in, but I couldn't take anybody out of that and put them in another one. So the whole dual salesperson role can get really tough unless it really is just a, you know, hey, I've got this person that can do a, a, site, a site survey for solar. They can get you a pr- proposal for it, everything, and pushing that out. And then, oh, darn, you made an extra 500000 bucks for the referral. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's easy money, you know, instead of trying to take on the whole installation process and everything. There's plenty of installers out there that this is all they do full time is install solar and they're terrible at it. (laughs) So like the, the idea that you're going to start it from scratch because you know, an electrician, you know, that's what always happens with roofers, right? They started in, in home remodeling. So they have, they have the whole crew, you know what I mean? Uh, And they're like, Oh, I can do this. And it's like, Dude, solar installs are no joke. You know what I mean? If you do something wrong on there and you don't get paid and everybody that the production or the fulfillment and the sales team isn't getting paid. Anyways, I've been a part of that for a while. So <laughs> I know how fun it is. Okay. So question for you. Actually, okay. Sorry. I have a question for you in uh, regards to like some of like the national solar partners that there is mm-hmm. that handle like the installation side and then you as the roofer can sell. There's a lot that have tried to recruit me even to sign up mm-hmm. some of my roofers. Is there anyone that you do recommend or that you intru- would introduce me to that is a good national s- solar partner? Cause I do have an active roofing base that wants to get into solar mm-hmm. and myself, I recognize when I'm not the qualified expert and I'm not, I'm not a qualified expert on solar. So today, I would say no, because a national installer, all they're really doing, they have great systems, they have great processes, they know what they're doing, and they have great uh, accountability for their installers. But at the end of the day, the person that's installing that is, an, is a subcontractor that installs solar for a living, right? And so they have local sales orgs that they service, and then they have the national sales org that they service, you know? And so my recommendation would be to do the actual work at a local level and create those relationships because you're going to get so much more out of your installer if you're in their market and they're not having to, you're not paying that pass through because that's mm-hmm. all it is at the end of the day. It's a pass through. Right. And so you're getting the software, you're getting the sales training, you're getting the uh, you know, and there are some expenses that get reduced because they're buying in bulk or they're doing, you know, 200 installs instead of 20 with a certain installer. But where I had the most, the best fulfillment process is when I had a 
local install relationship. And I, I'm not talking an installer that does 10 a month. I'm talking an installer that does like two or 300 a month. You know, and there's one of those in every city. And it's even better if they're not servicing national partners because those national partners bog down their business and they don't make them enough money from it. And they're just not happy. You know what I'm saying? Versus the local partners that, that bring them 20, 30 sales a month. They love those because they're high margin, right? They're, uh, because they're lower volume, they're, they're able to have a higher red line. There's, there's something to be said about paying people what they're worth. You yeah. know, this whole idea in solar, low red line, low red line, low red line, you're only going to hurt your customer in the end mm -hmm. because you're stretching that installer. Mm -hmm. And you got me on a rant now. So yeah. <laughs> part of the well, problem. Well, that's beneficial for me because I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Part of the problem in solar right now is salespeople get paid too much, period, mm -hmm. point blank. You should not be making, you know, six to seven grand for a 10 kilowatt system. It's just, it's ridiculous. You know, that, that is almost 20% of the sales price, you know, and what it's doing, you know what the installer, their net profit is on that? Probably three, four grand. Wow. So it's like, who should really, we need to move some of that money from sales to fulfillment. That absolutely needs to happen. Because you do, you get on the phone with these install managers and they're underpaid, you know what I mean? Because the company can only pay them so much because of the low margin of the install. But why is that happening? Because of the national orgs that are able to drive down that price and then mark it up to what they want and then give it to the roofer or give it to the sales org or whatever the case is, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm just very much of the mindset, build your own business locally, build your relationships locally. And then, yeah, I was having... With the, the CEO that was installing our systems, I would have lunch with them once a month. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And when you're creating that business locally, it's it's not super scalable, right? It's not the sales org model or the solar bro model, but it is solar in my bro. mind the best yeah. <laughs> it is in my mind the best the best situation for your customer. And it mm -hmm. and it creates the best customer experience is you know who's going out to install your people. You end up learning the names of the actual installers. You know what I'm saying? You go out there and you visit with them. You take them Red Bulls or Argenta Energies in my case, right? <laughs> and you develop those relationships, you know? And your customer is so much better served and serviced because of it. You know, yeah. as long as you... Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say there was a shift that happened like this in roofing. Um, so the payment structure used to be 10 50 which is where... 10% of the check went to um, the company and then you split 50-50 of the profits with salespeople. What happened was the companies were not making enough money to reinvest into the organizational structure, into hiring better talent, production management, overall uh, job oversight, mm -hmm. and salespeople were basically left to do everything else, all of those things so there is uh in the last two years is when we've seen the largest shift in the comp structures where roofers are taking their employees either w2 or mm -hmm. just giving them a gross uh, like a percentage and that's it of the overall uh sale instead of they're paying based off the gross revenue not based off the profit um the second thing that the issue that that has caused is if you don't know your profit margins not being able to really 
make sure that you're meeting at least 40%. If, if you're paying off that gross revenue and the person discounted, discounted, discounted. So there's a few things that I, I can see right away just from hearing that the sales compensation structure is going to change. And what happens is some people are going to leave the industry or mm -hmm. some people are going to build more stability within the industry and grow more rapidly because now they're mm -hmm. have more team members around them and better and the client will have a better experience. A hundred percent. And so the ones that are doing that already in solar, uh, I feel like, so in about two years, I would say maybe another year, Quativa, Quativa is going to be an amazing resource for roofers, right? I would say in about a year, they still need to get their install relationships dialed in and that reporting that goes through their app back to the sales rep and the, uh, the sales company or the roofing company in your case, uh, that needs to get more fluid. Those are their two pain points right now that are having a lot of issues, the communication from installer to Quativa and then, and then, uh, to the uh, sales work or the roofing company is, is a big issue right now. And then uh, the, those relationships, you know, because the installers are, are walking on them. They're going bankrupt. You know what I mean? Because they're not getting a big enough piece of the pie, you know, mm -hmm. um, on the sales side, you know, I would say uh, Coda Ivers is going to be a great resource. Um, Mo Abdallah on the install side, Mo Abdallah uh, out of DFW. Uh, he's the, probably one of the only Tesla certified installers. He can actually install the Tesla roofs right now. And so uh, he'd be a great resource. And then, man, there's a bunch of other people in there. Um, Neil Kaiser. Oh, Devin Oaks. When it comes to virtual sales, he's the GOAT uh, in my mind. And then, you know, on the on the advertising side, you got Josiah Atkins with Prospect Bacon. Uh, it's probably one of the better um, pay-per-click, you know, or um, ad uh, paid ads. We got them on the marketing side. <laughs> nice. Nice. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> so, um, those are just some of the, the, the names I would throw out there. Um, I know, uh, in Texas, I can, I can tell you every installer in Texas and every sales org and all that, but you know, nationwide, it gets a little tougher because I'm not in those markets. So. Yeah. And I think obviously I'm going to have to do some more research to be able to bring them qualified solutions, but there is mm -hmm. a need for the overall education of solar in the industry. I mean, mm -hmm. for just talking to someone who's in the solar industry, I would say one thing that keeps people in the roofing or other home service industries from really getting into it is I feel like people who know solar, like whenever you explain it, it's just never in a way that I can understand <laughs> like what, how solar really functions. So uh -huh. that's why I've been like doing my research and like trying to make it more understandable for all of us people who are not familiar with solar right. to understand. Um, yeah. so, like, like just to have level one knowledge. Like if I feel like if I'm in elementary school of solar, I'd be happy by the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And that's honestly, that's to a degree, that's where you're like your setters and your roofers need to be right. Because yeah. they're the legion. If, if you look at solar uh, coming from the roofing industry, if the roofing industry looks at solar as, hey, I'm the lead gen for solar, then they're going to be wildly successful in solar. And then they're going to have a model now to be able to scale into selling it themselves completely and then servicing the, the customer completely. You know, the ones that do it really well are obviously uh, linear roofing and linear solar now, um, uh, Blue Hammer roofing blue hammer solar now 
those guys have transitioned very well. And then it's exactly what you said. They have separate teams mm-hmm. for each product. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so start with the, start with being the lead gen for solar and then graduate into being uh, the sales team and have separate teams, like you said, and then who knows production long-term, but man, I would just, <laughs> I talk to these installers all the time and they are not happy individuals. <laughs> hey, it's you just, know what it is? Business is business. And it's, it's always, there's some, there's always a, a weak point in any business model. It sounds mm-hmm. like the installer side is the weak point yeah. in, uh, in, in solar where in, roofing the sales side is more of the weak point because production and operations management once you have good sales you can scale that a lot easier but really scaling sales and roofing is more difficult where solar guys are just these solar bros are out here selling you know the roofer roofer bros are like praying praying for hail um uh-huh. For the most part, so I, I I really like to hear the different perspectives. So I know it's your podcast, but thank you for answering my question. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and it, it you know the and I'm sure this is probably your favorite too. The Q and A is the best part because yeah. you get you get the raw, real answers. You know what I mean? I can put together some amazing presentations, but when people start asking me questions, is when I kind of come alive. You know, because now we're deep in it. You know, You're like, it's my time. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, okay, last question. I asked this on every one of my podcasts. Um, I'm obsessed with legacy, researching it, learning about it, what it means to different cultures, as well as what it means to the uh, guests on my show. So uh, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind? Yeah. So legacy for me is the cumulative efforts of the impact that you have left onto others, whether it's as you're alive or after you've passed away and you've left a monumental impact on people, whether that's one person or a million people. Um, for me personally, um, I my personal goal is to impact and inspire at least a million individuals, um, which is why I've started to try to get out of my comfort zone and start trying to make more video content and get myself out there more. Um, because I believe that we all have a story worth sharing And I believe that my story and all the things that I've gone through in life are going to inspire a lot of people because I am the face of overcoming adversity. Uh, So if I can do it, anyone else can do it. Hell yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I love the goal of impacting a million people. Uh, One of my friends, uh, Chris Zizzo, had a similar goal. And so and now he has two million followers on social Mm -hmm. media. So he's like, crap, I wasn't going high enough. Now it's 100 million for him. (laughs) <laughs> so I think you might run into the same issue. I mean, I, two years from now, you're like, oh, I already hit it. Okay, next. <laughs> but uh, well, one if- of my business partners, she's like, she she gave me a quick way to uh, to do it. She goes, you just need one video. It needs to get a million views. You're done. Life goes on. You can go retire now. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's very true. So to get you some more followers to help you with that impact. Um, Anybody that's listening to the show, if they want to reach out, they want to follow you, consume your content, where do they go for that? Yeah, you can uh, check me out on Instagram. It's Liz for Biz. You can uh, check me out on on my Facebook for my business and my Instagram for my business, Business 411 Official. Uh, you can look at what my agency does. We are very passionate. Uh, my team is literally the best team on the planet. So if you guys want to see how my team operates, check out our social media and what we're doing. 
Fantastic. And we'll include all those links in the uh, podcast notes. Uh, until next time, guys, let's get building. Bye. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.